everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome, and I am your host, Shane Told, just like every single episode, and I hope you're doing well on this fine Thursday afternoon. Yes, I'm getting the podcast out a little bit late this week. It seems to be happening a lot lately, and I guess it's because I'm somehow very busy all of a sudden. Like, at first, when this whole pandemic started, it was really weird, you know, our tour got postponed, and all of a sudden I'm sitting here in this very office that I'm recording this, and like, it didn't feel right, you know? I felt like I was supposed to be somewhere else or doing something else, and at first it was kind of... A bit depressing, to be honest. But then you settle in, you get into a little bit of a routine, and then I don't know, I just started saying yes to everything. I embraced my inner Jim Carrey, I became a yes man. Hey, you want to do guest vocals? Yes. Hey, you want to write a song for my fiance? Sure. How about you sing a Beatles song for my kid? Yeah, let's do that. Why not? Then it was, how about a new walkway? Maybe renovate a kitchen. Take out some studs that are water damaged in the house. You know, easy stuff. So I have been busy. It's been actually kind of good the last little while. I know some people emailed me with a little bit of concern like, hey, are you doing okay? Because for a while there, I wasn't sure if I really was. But rest assured, I'm doing very well, staying very busy. And by the way, if you do want to email me, you can. It is syndrome at gmail.com. I read them all. I write back to many of them. And if you want to support the show, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. That is what helps keep the lights on around here. You can find all the info for that over at leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Which brings me to this week's guest, Mina of Life of Agony a band that has been doing it for a very long time, like 30 years, and it was great to have her aboard on the podcast. Now, a bit of a disclaimer here first. We recorded this in like mid, early to mid-March. I didn't record the exact date, but this was right when the coronavirus was kind of just starting. I mentioned that there's like 600 cases, and... Why I say it's a disclaimer is because we say some things afterwards that just prove how stupid we were and probably many of you were as well. Just nobody saw this coming. Everyone underestimated this thing. I think I talk about how there's only 600 cases. People are changing their whole lives for this thing. It's like, yeah, you stupid idiot. Like, where was the foresight? But... You know, hey, I can admit when I was wrong, and I was wrong, and I'm sure Mina would take back some things as well. But hey, I left it in just for a little bit of context and a little bit of hilarity because, you know, it is just so crazy that when you look back to, you know, the pre-COVID days, how different it really was. Anyway, before we get into that, again, I just want to thank everybody so much for supporting this thing, for listening. We've got some great sponsors 
coming on board starting next week. I'm really excited about that. And I'm really excited about the Weed Singer Syndrome All Access Club. So many great new members from all over the world, including Rhode Island. We got two. It's really great. So yeah, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. I know I just said it a minute ago, but shout out to all the members worldwide. Anyway, let's get into it, shall we? Here is my conversation with Mina Caputo of Life of Agony. my podcast boy <laughs> i'm your podcast boy how's it going good how are you thank you for doing this i'm, I'm fantastic oh this is the lead singer thingy right <laughs> this is the lead singer thingy exactly lead singer syndrome i'm shane nice to uh meet you sort of hi shane so uh thank you so much for doing this first of all um you know obviously you've had a crazy career so many ups and downs so just to be able to talk to you and, and just, you know, I don't know, just kind of reflect back on the last, what, 30, 35 years, the debut record. Um, it's pretty crazy. I know I'm living it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're living it and you've lived it. I've lived it. I'm, I'm living it. I will live some more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy, you know, like when I have someone like you on the on the show, because, you know, I talk to people from, you know, brand new bands sometimes, you know, but it's always hard when I when I talk to someone like you and I go, where do I start? You know, so the first thing I want to talk about is some of the music that you're making now. Two albums within like a two year span, uh, which is for Life of Agony is rare after going 12 years without one. Um, talk to me about, you know, how you get in the studio now. Oh, sorry, the phone sounds crazy. You good? Sorry, hang on. No problem, sure. My dog's stalking me for a bone. Hmm. Okay, baby girl. All right, all right, hang on. Very demanding chihuahua I have. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, you got your little cookies? Now you finish your rabbit. Um, okay. Well, if you're really paying attention to my life... I do about an album a year. Right. Of course. Of course. I'm doing, you know, I've, at the moment, I'm actually, I've been scoring music for a film for almost the past two years. Um, let alone, I just finished another solo record called The Moans. I haven't released it yet because I'm waiting for an, you know, a, a respectful time to release it because sure. the sound, the, the sound, the scars hasn't even been out. Six months, so right. let's give it a little more respect. Obviously, you know you can't, because um, we're still kind of like trying to build momentum without radio help, without kind of really, you know, money behind the band from the label. Um, you know, as far as doing more stuff, because that's what it's all about, really. Let's let's be realistic. That's how you get on the radio. Yep. You know, that's how DJs are sucking bands' dicks. You know, fucking people. Are 
paying them. And that's it's pay to play, baby. That's the game. Your label ain't paying, you ain't getting playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just the fucking the brutal botched truth about our kind of <sighs> It's not even about the business of art anymore. It's the art of business. Even bands. Bands we've helped come up and that are now bigger than us, they completely like ignore the the cry for help like hey <laughs> remember us when you fucking were playing in front of 20 kids and you played three nights in a row at irving plaza because of us right all right now you're an arena band want to take us out on the road you know and it's just like how many tickets do you worth it's just like whoa okay you know um so it's very even bands are very it's like the art of business it's just uh that's like why, you know, like on my Twitter page, I'm not selling anything. Right. I'm not selling my music, really. I'm not selling merchandise. I'm not selling T-shirts. I'm not selling the fucking game. I'm just being myself, you know? Like, it's a false premise in our society. It's not about what you do, what you're accomplishing. It's about who you are, what you're contributing to the planet, to the people. And just so many people got it so fucking mixed up. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, if you like I was saying before, come full circle, if you'll learn that I'm a big scatterbrain, so I jump from I love that though. <laughs> That's I mean okay. when we do these long form things, it, it it doesn't even like sometimes I'm I'll get off the phone with somebody, I'll be like, What did we talk about? And then when I go back and listen, I'm like, Ah, it actually made sense. It was fine. Yeah. You know, your brain goes faster than your, your mouth sometimes. So yeah, full full circle. I've pretty much been doing almost an album a year since I mean very long time already, you know. How is it different um, when you get back? In 20, the... 2012? Yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. How does, how does it feel, though, when you get back in the studio with, you know, uh, like Joey and, and these, these people that you've been making music with for such a long time, but then there's this, you know, hiatus where you, I don't know how much you were talking. Um, I don't know how, you know, I don't know what happens when you get back in a room. Um, is it, does it feel magical? Does it feel like the old days? Does it feel completely new? Yeah, I mean, with Veronica in the band and the changes that we made, that's why we've already done two albums, you know? Like, the other guy didn't want to work. He wanted to see the demise of the band. He wanted to see the demise of his friends. And that's the, the brutal truth of things. And there was a lot of creative controversy, you know? And um, we just want to have fun. We just want to make great music. We want to be a band. We want to mimic the doors, but, you know, we couldn't write any music together because that one really didn't even want to be in the room with us. Right. Because he was better than, he's better than everybody. I mean, just look at his tweets. Look at the stuff he focuses on. Look at, go to his Facebook, like, just check out the waste of time, space, and he's still talking about us. Yeah. Well, you're talking about Sal, your former drummer. Uh, for yeah, people I don't, that aren't aware, and yeah, he he called you some pretty. <laughs> pretty oh, he bad went names. he went off on me only because he's just envious and he's hurt, and uh, you know. Listen, it's like you know, it just it really, really kind of never really worked with him for all these years. I mean, we threw him out of the band after Ugly because he was out of control. Mm -hmm. He just. Him and Joey would never really ever get along. 
fist fighting before we'd be out there, sold out show, 10,000 people in Berlin, Germany, and those two are fist fighting in, yeah. in, in backstage because, you know, some guy wants to be everyone's father, you know, and treat everyone the way his parents treated him. And like just very vicious control dramas and a lot of power struggling. It's just actually, I don't even know why I'm talking about it, but because I hate <laughs> wasting my, my sure. energy on stuff like this. But you brought up the fact with hiatus and yep. why we don't, we haven't done a record in so long. And I'm not going to bullshit you. You know, that's why it's like, we just couldn't be in the same room together. We literally hated each other, you know, yeah, and it just, it just, it just, it started just, uh, you know, I mean, he didn't want to add new songs to a set list. He was killing the band slowly. No one really wanted to work with us. Label didn't want to deal with us, you know? Yeah. No, it, it can be very toxic. I mean, for sure. I understand. Oh, forget it. Like, you know, and we don't want that. Around. It's like there's, there's enough challenges going on in the world. You know, you go, you go to your band and your brothers and your mates because you're, you're a pirate ship. But he didn't, he didn't execute that philosophy. Sal just wants to be Pete. Well, um, enter Veronica. You just talked about, about her joining the band. Um, you know, another female presence, you know, along with mm-hmm. you and, you know, your, your transition how has that been having her around? Is that has that been a really positive vibe within the band? Yeah, it's been great. You know, there's like I feel like there's there's uh, the alignment within the four of us. There's a there's a there's a beautiful energetic flow. There's beautiful energies, beautiful vibrations, beautiful beautiful frequencies. Everyone's in the same room for the same reasons, and. Um, and that's it, man. Yeah. We just want to have a great time. We want to take care of each other. We want to see all of our dreams being met, whether we're, they're, we're with each other or I'm doing something, you know, solo stuff or whatever. Or, you know, we all support one another. I mean, you know, Alan makes artwork for my albums and stuff. And, you know, Joey's heavily into producing, you know. Yeah. We basically wanted him. We were like, yo, why don't you produce the new Life of Agony record with Sylvia? You know, and because it's all new, it's all different. It's great. It's beautiful. You know, yeah. there's challenges, but that's life. You know, life in life, the universe is constantly throwing challenges at you and um, getting one up on you to challenge you, to allow you to grow. Yeah. You worked with Sylvia Massey as, as well, another female. Um, and, you know, it's there aren't a lot of female producers still to this day. It's still dominated, you know, by males, even though Sylvia has been doing it, you know, since, I mean, she worked on the first tool record. I mean, you know, that's right. right? So, um, talk, talk to me about working with her and, you know, another female in the room. I just, I just wonder if this is something you're trying to do, um, for yourself or more just for just because of the, the environment and because of the, the nature of how, you know, the rock world is. When you become the change you want to see, the universe responds accordingly. So, you know, my entire life is all about, has been all about the divine feminine. And these are just things the universe is throwing us good energy. You know, we've had enough of this, you know, gluttonous, toxic male energy. Um, 
And, you know, when you make changes, when you face fears, when you dive into the unknown, you're rewarded. And these are just things that are just symbolically coming into our life. This is, yeah. this isn't, isn't planned. This is just symbolism at its finest and the universe teaching us and giving us what we are at the moment. We're very gentle people. We're very compassionate. We're not competitive. We don't play the game. We're doing our own thing, man. We've always done that. We've always tried to, we're trend setting. We've always been. Yeah. Um, but people want carbon copies. <laughs> so that's, so that's why it's a bit challenging for a band like us to be like on top. Right. You know? Right. Right. Um, so I want to talk about your, your early upbringing, your, if you don't mind, I know it's probably tough for you to speak about. about no, it's know, not. Growing up in Brooklyn, New York, <laughs> the story I heard was that your parents were drug addicts. Your mom died at an early age, and you were raised by your grandparents, who were very abusive. Um, and it was just kind of hell for you until you could get out. That's a story in a nutshell. Okay. <laughs> well, if you care to elaborate. <laughs> You know, what, I just I just picture you know a kid growing up in New York City in Brooklyn in the late nineteen eighties like that's just crazy. I think of a movie set you know there in that time because it's such an iconic time to be in that city. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a New Yorker, so I don't. I mean, I'm grateful out of billions of people that I was born in this city, but right. it's just another filthy city, and it ain't the same anymore. You know, it's no. they're stripping it from art and you know any erotica um anything that has true value it's turning into like you know it's a fucking corporate hell in the streets everyone's a robot you know it's uh but it, you know there are some selective spots obviously that if you're a new yorker you you know and you have your your little nooks and crannies and alleys that you go into and stuff but yeah, New York is pretty much an, an iconic place, but a lot of places are, and it's just, you know, it's just another city, really. I mean, well, I I, just, I sort of disagree. I mean, I was just in New York City the other day, and it's 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 still. I mean, you know, we talk about just music community and what. Well, has I'm happened from there. here. Where are you, you know, from? I'm from Toronto, Canada. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's a big fucking difference between Toronto and New York City, dude. So you're oh, going to feel it. But when you're living in the streets and you're hustling in the streets every day, right? you know, it's just my streets, man. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's it's my streets. It's the streets, you know. Survival of the streets. So, so how did how did it work exactly? So you, you were a kid and it was really hard for you and then you – you got out and you lived Dude, on I, the streets? I think it's hard for every fucking kid, you know? Like, it's hard for every child. It must be even harder for kids to grow up these days because people are just getting dumber and dumber. It's like, <laughs> fucking, oh, my God. No, I had a pretty childless childhood, you know? I'm making light of the whole thing because I'm a warrior. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm gentle steel, you know, like I'm, I've been hardened by life, but I'm still a very compassionate human being. But yeah, you know, kind of sucked. It's still, <laughs> I think, 
that's why I um, I think maybe I'm simmering in the divine feminine. I think my mother's soul went right into mine, and I'm living with the double. You know the the the, the you know I'm I'm both I'm I'm both male and female, and I'm and I'm neither, and I'm not either. I'm a different energy. I'm a different frequency. I'm a different vibration. Human beings aren't just physical. We're housing our soul on this very low vibrational realm called the earthly plane. That's why we're in these bodies. But we're really, when you really think about it, we're really, we're light vibrating at such high speeds of light that matters created. And we think we're in, we think everything around us is real and hard. And there's so much about the body, mind, soul, the, the origin of life, everything, the interval of life, the, you know, the afterlife. We know nothing ab- about right. anything as a species. Um, so, yeah, wait, full circle. Yeah, my mother's soul <laughs> went into mine, and that's what I'm trying to, like, convey here. Like, Totally. Um, well, you, you, seem, you seem very spiritual. I mean, like... You're talking about the universe and you're talking about, you know, you've thought a lot about this. Um, You're not religious, I assume. You're just, this is kind of your own path and your own sort of belief system. Religion is like, you know, the McDonald's. If you want (laughs) to, if you want a McDonald's, if you want a McDonald's version of God or the universe or the creator, then you can join the church or the temple or the fucking mosque or whatever because that's all they're hint- that's all they're selling is fast food fear but when you do okay. you know i've been doing my research for over 30 years and i'm very well read and i'm big on theosophy and philosophy and you know just you know i have i'm i'm, I'm very i have so many i read about this all the time about the law of creation and manifestation and I'm like constantly like reading books by Joseph Murphy and Neville Goddard and and Alan Watts and Terence McKenna and Graham Hancock and and um, Francis Crick and you know a lot of just um, you know the Secret Doctrine by Madame Blavatsky a lot of Theosophy Nietzsche Jung um, Huxley you know I'm, I'm like years and years of um, just formulating my own ideas of who I am. Cause I don't go on, I don't live a day without saying, who am I? What am I? Where are we going? Why are we here? What's happening? What's the origin? Like, I'm like still looking, I'm still like dumbfounded that we're floating around on some fucking rock that's <laughs> allowing life, you know, like, I'm just so blown away by the miracle of the mystery. Right. And that's and that's how I live constantly. I don't I'm not a one-dimensional human being. I'm not waiting online on Black Friday. You know, like <laughs> like pop cult like like pop culture. You yeah. know, that's the co- that's the collective culture. That's where they're at. You're definitely different. And I want to get a little bit into life of agony stuff as well. Okay. Lyrically, I always thought Life of Agony had much better lyrics than the other bands of that era. They're much; they were much more emotional. They painted a stronger picture. Um, is that because you were doing, you know, so much more reading and so much more studying of this kind of stuff, um, kind of throughout your whole life? It helps. 
you know. Um, also, Alan writes lyrics too for Life of Agony. Okay. He's brilliant, you know. Yeah. Um, and I've learned the craft from him, actually. All those guys are older than me. Um, right. And I also still think we're still one of the best lyrical bands out there. I agree. I would I, agree. I would, I would 100% agree. Probably sure. the best. One of the best. Absolutely. Literary bands out there. I fucking, I vomit laughter, uh, you know, just, just not understanding certain bands, artists, and how they, just listening to what they're singing about. It's just like, oh my God, like, Jesus Christ, I should just get into porn already. (laughs) (laughs) It's summer, it's hot outside. I know a lot of us are enjoying the weather out in the backyard or on a patio, and personally, I love to grab a refreshing Miller High Life. Miller High Life is unpretentious, high quality, and is there to celebrate the wins of every day, big or small, whether it's a promotion at work, finishing off some tasks around the house, or even just finding all your socks in the dryer. It's within everyone's reach and was founded on that principle back in 1903 that everyone should enjoy the good life. It's still brewed the same way with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles either in an iconic glass bottle or for this summer in limited edition champagne cans. It brings pride to those simple summer moments that don't have to be big to call for celebration. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. A quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone, and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit. And then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash LSS. So I mean, you mentioned that you're a bit, a bit younger than those um, than the other guys. <laughs> Only two or three years young. Younger. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also remember reading a long time ago that kind of when you got in the band, you you were like, "Why am I in this band? I'm not even a lead singer." Um, you know, and you kind of found your way 
um, as a singer, which is from doing this podcast, that's a very common um, common th- thread that we all have. Um, Hello. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm listening. My dog's uh, purring. Yeah, yeah, I'm hearing the sound. I was wondering if that was you yeah. or the dog. No, uh, that's, I'm glad that's it's my not baby. you. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I purr, but I purr in a different way. <laughs> she purrs in a in a doggy way. Um, what did you say? I'm sorry. Oh, I was saying about how you know you're a little bit younger, and that when you got in the band. And of course, when you're kids, like a couple years is a lot of years. You know what I mean? When you get to be in your 30s or 40s, what's five years? You know, but when you're younger, it matters. So my question was, it's felt like from interviews and stuff, they kind of threw you into this lead singer role. Like you're going to do it. And that you yeah, weren't, my, yeah. you weren't really 100% comfortable with it at first. No, I wasn't. I actually was... I wanted to go to Juilliard. I was playing classical music on piano. I had different kind of plans, but, you know, as all young punks, we were all getting together. And Joey was basically like, I want you to sing for the band. I'm like, dude, I can't. He was like, I don't care. Let's just do it. And then we just, we were literally practicing in a in a garage with our first drummer probably in like 1987, 1986, maybe. Um, so yeah, 88, maybe. And um, yeah, it was really like, really, really fucking old school punk rock, kind of like New York garage days kind of shit, you know, where yeah. 30 of our crazy friends, we'd all be in the garage, everyone slamming in the garage into the, like we couldn't even play the music anymore. We were just... It started off like we really didn't intend to be the band that we were. We were just kind of doing it for fun in a way. And then after the first album dropped, it was uh, say hello to Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. Well, being you know being from this kind of rough part of New York and these rough upbringings, how did you get your music out? Because at that time, you know, there's no internet. There's oh, or very primitive at least. How did you kind of get signed? Because that's that's such a big deal, well, you know, back in the 90s of, of that was like the dream, you know, every kid had. How, how did you get discovered? Well, we were a very eclectic New York band and we were doing something different that no one was even touching at the time. And um, that shit got around for better or for worse. And after a few years of doing local gigs of like Lamar's and stuff, we suddenly, next thing we knew, we were doing three nights in a row at Lamar. Mm-hmm. And then in Staten Island and then in the whole tri-state area, there wasn't a place that this band could go that could fill in two, 3,000 people every night. Wow. Word, word got around and um, we had the same management as Typo at the time. Yeah. And the manager took our demo and brought the A&R guy to the Life of Agony show just to be like, you got to fucking see what's going on here with this band. And basically, uh, actually, we were turned down because the A&R guy threw me in the Glenn Danzig arena. 
Okay. And he was like, oh, no, he sounds like Glenn Danzig. I don't like it. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. And, you know, most A&R guys don't know what they're talking about anyway. <laughs> so um, I think he signed us not by force, but by believing in the intuition of other people. Right. And And so, like, boom, we got in. And, you know... Next thing you knew, we were just, I think two, three years later in Europe and may even more in Europe, we were fucking tremendous and we were headlining like the Dinamo Festival. And at that time, we were pr- pulling in a 100,000 people coming to see us, literally like it was like a time to remember. There's footage online. There's like, yeah. it's like in- insane. I think it was 1993. The first time we hit Europe and we were fucking like, it was like mega stardom back then. I remember, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think of just these kids in the, in, you know, on the streets in New York, like you talk about, you know, in this sort of bubble to all of a sudden be out in, you know, somewhere like Europe. I mean, that must've been a big culture shock for you, especially at that time. No, it wasn't, dude. You have to understand that fucking New York City, you know, back then, you know, there was punk rockers on the corner, kids with mohawks, there was transsexuals on the next corner, mm-hmm. there was fucking thugs and, and gangbangers on the next corner. There's no there's no surprises. <laughs> and You know, like er- everywhere else seems to be a little bit more duller coming from New York. Okay, yeah. In a sense, you know what I mean? Like, I'm used to the city, so I can kind of, like, downplay it a bit. But, like, when I travel around the world, it takes a really special city to be like, whoa. Because I've lived all over. Like, I've lived in Berlin. Yeah. I've lived I've lived in Amsterdam six years on and off, and Amsterdam is another f- favorable city of mine. I love Amsterdam yeah. very much because of its, its – um, well, it used to be more open – now things are getting politically heated everywhere and, you know, it seems like they're trying to cage us all as much as they can. But, um, yeah, like, uh, you know, there, there's really no no real culture shock. I mean, well, I guess going into different cities and learning, yeah, I mean, it was a bit, obviously it was foreign in the beginning, but, you know, 20 something years into travel and like I'm so used to hearing the German language and sweet sure, like I can sure. when people are in New York City and I hear them talking a European language I'm like wait I stopped them I'm like let me guess you're from Czechoslovakia <laughs> you know and it's like <laughs> you're from France <laughs> yes how do you know yeah I could tell from your accent right you know because I I can hear sure. certain cultures, like if a French person's talking in English or if a Dutch person is talking in English, I know how they sound just by the years of, yeah. so I can like sp- spot people out in New no, York. No, but, no. Absolutely. But in 1993, uh, you know, that wasn't happening. So I, I don't no, know. I, just, I just think of the punks leave New York City and they go, you know what I mean? Like, what is going on? Like, I feel like there's got to be some stories there. Oh, yeah, of course there is. Like, for example, the first time I think the band went to France, and this was in the very early 90s, um, 
you know, we go into the venue and ba ba we're looking for the toilets. There's no fucking toilets. There's a hole in the ground in the bathroom. Right. So you're basically just squatting and shitting in a hole. And we will, <laughs> and like, you know, those are kind of like some of the cultural things. We were like, what the fuck? So like we were all taking shits, but like deliberately missing the hole and shit. <laughs> and just, <laughs> we were totally fucking crazy, dude. We were stupid. We would do stupid shit. We still do, but you know, we're, <laughs> we're a bit more smarter because, you know, we could get fucking locked up and then forget about it. I'll become fucking dead meat for mm. all the, bo- they'll probably lock me up in a man cell. Who knows, you know, cause you know the way the prison systems are. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. About about my about my you know my consciousness or my my well being they don't care. No. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, you came out as tra- you, you like to use the word transsexual uh, in 2011. I do. Um, Even though um, the the LGBT community frowns upon that word now. Yeah. Well, it's whatever um, you prefer. Um, so that's why yeah, I, I don't said care it. about any. Um, yeah. But you know, these days people are much more open-minded and supportive than they would have been uh, safe to say in the late 90s because I think of the music scene and the metal scene being very macho and very, you, you know, uh, not not open-minded. You know what? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. It kind of still is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. There are times. There yeah. are times when I kind of feel the transphobia. Yeah. Um, but that might be my own paranoia. Probably, probably you know, a little bit, a little bit of both. I mean, like for example, like yeah. when I wasn't out and I was living as a white male, privileged white male, or whatever. Like certain DJs would be playing us all the time. And these same DJs, now that I've been out, don't even fucking go near the wreck the music. Mm. So there's, um, I would love to fucking name some DJs, man, but my band will get angry at me. <laughs> so I will just not. Well, I don't know. I mean, either either they're going to stop. Either they're gonna they're gonna start playing you or they're gonna still not play you. So I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't know. I like, but like I said, I can be totally wrong. Right. It could just be that they don't like the music. You know, because they're one of those. You know, they're one of those people. They like River Runs Red, and they list they they don't want anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it's radio's weird place too. I mean. The amount of times I've been listening to the radio and they've said, like, pick a band, uh, like the Foo Fighters. They'll be like, hey, the Foo Fighters, they have a new record dropping this week. And then they play the old song. They play the song from 1995. And you're like, you just said they have a new record. Why aren't you playing the song from the new record? You're playing Everlong or whatever. I I never understand that about radio. But but I mean. It's like not radio. It's like this human foolish nostalgia. Right. It's like what people don't understand is like that same band that you're making, you're breaking basically all because of your attitude of non-openness, you know? Yeah. When I'm like, I'm different. Like when I love a band, I'm fucking all in and I welcome all the changes. 
Like, everyone's going on and on and on about Stone Temple Pilots. Honestly, the new, the, the first album they did with Jeff Goot is one of my favorite Stone Temple Pilot records. Right. It is absolutely unfucking believable. Unbelievable. I think Jeff Goot channeled all the good things from Scott. The songwriting's fucking amazing. Jeff sounds amazing. Like, and people, you know, people are just, People are just super, super. Everyone's a keyboard warrior. Yeah. People are extremely cruel. And it's like, when I love a band, I'm fucking all in, man. I've got every Zeppelin record. I've got every Robert Plant solo record. I've got all of his side projects. Like, yeah. Same for Queen and Freddie Mercury. Like, I'm well, just I love like, that. yeah. I mean, like what Radiohead, too. Big fan. You know, they're. Who knows what the fuck they're going to do for the next record? Who cares? <laughs> grow, you know, sure. grow with them. Like, who wants the same fucking record, every record? That These kids, they want something that doesn't even exist. They're yearning for something that could actually never happen. Yeah, yeah. you ever meet one of those? Oh, fuck that. I just love Stone Temple Pilots' core. The rest of it is just fucking complete garbage. Meanwhile, he hasn't even listened to any of it. He's just... Right. You know, just, you know, holds on for dear life, that music and those memories, because life right now for me sucks and I can't move on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and what I mean by this is like this, it's sometimes it's hurtful to be competing against your own music. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And I, I And I experienced that a lot. Like, yeah. I think I write my solo music. I think I write incredibly brilliant fucking music that should be all over the world, man. And it just, I don't want to tell that story, but <laughs> there's that but again. It's like, I just, even with Life of Agony, there's a part of me that I just feel like it's just so underrated. It's like, damn, man, like, you know, and you just you just want your music to globally heal the world, or at least be given a fair chance to. Well, for sure, I mean, the amount of roadblocks that are put up, you know, these days, it's it's people want to say, oh, it's so easy to get your music out there because of the internet, and but there's just so much out there, and they're still controlling what's put oh, yeah. to the media. I mean, you know, um, constantly. No, there's absolutely control. Absolutely, man. You washing your hands? No, I... You got coronavirus. I, you got to be careful. No, I, I washed the baby's dog bowl. <laughs> I just threw some water in there. No got it off Got it off the floor. Yeah, no. I, yeah, that's, again, too, the that fucking... The fucking fear and the panic is just fucking comical. Yeah, I'm I'm on your side on that one too. I uh, yeah, I don't know what are they up to today? Like 600 cases in the states. It's like, and people, I don't know, but people are changing they're their spend, whole lives over it. They're spending fucking billions on advertising to keep people afraid. Yeah, that's, I don't that's know. Crazy. It's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty interesting uh, chess game, mm -hmm. politics. You know and. 
and all the institutions that are set into place for humanity. You- I find it fucking extremely comical that, you know, there's this constant argument online, you know, with, you know, putting presidents into place and all this stuff. Like nothing will change unless the war paradigm changes. doesn't matter who we vote in. It's going to be business as usual if there's a war paradigm. Right. We've brutalized, we brutalize everything on the planet. We brutalize each other. We brutalize the land, sea, air, sky. We polluted space. We pollute the waters. We fucking poison our foods. We kill our kids. Um, I mean, look how, look how this patriarchy is just brutalizing life as we know it. They don't want us happy and healthy and stress-free. They want the exact opposite. That's why they spend billions on advertising. And, and, and this is what this is. The coronavirus, first of all, it's not even the coronavirus. It's a strain. The coronavirus has been existing already since yes. last year. They didn't even tell people. So obviously they want people sick. And you know what? The cure is out there already. They got the cure. They're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And whoever releases that cure is going to be a fucking quadrillionaire. You'll see. And you'll see how everyone's going to get these bad vaccination shots that just, you know, that just, it's like they're trying to turn people into human pigs or some shit, man. It's like, I make a laugh funny about it, but, you know, it's a very cryptic, a lot of cryptic people out there with cryptic agendas and, you know, people need to like dig, man, and stop looking at shit at face value. Yeah. Um, because well, what's going on is not what's really going on. <laughs> yeah. Well. You just you got you got to be smart enough to unplug out of the matrix and um, peel the layers of the hologram and look through it, man. You know, like got to dive into the rabbit hole and dig deep. And that's why self-love, self-care is very important. That's why being very conscious of the information that comes into your life is very important. Self-talk is very important. How do you talk to yourself? It's very important. Your cells hear you. Your cellular structure is directed by every little thought you have, every emotion, every emotion that's behind your thought. Your cellular system is growing in that direction. And that's how they program people. That's how the game is played. That's how they pro. That's why pop culture is so fucking mindless. They're programmed into fear. Look at everyone's panic. I mean, yeah, I'm sure some people got sick, but the common cold kills more people. Heart disease kills more people. Stress kills more people. Drink driving kills more people. Where's the outrage? Yeah. Where's the Where's the billions in advertising to stop drunk? To stop selling alcohol, alcohol, red meat, sugar, tobacco. How's that fucking patriarchy doing for you, people? (laughs) It's like the meat, tobacco, and sugar culture is what it is. Doesn't look like it's doing too good. Looks like it's self-imploding as we know it. Or there's a divine plan, which I like to think that is beyond the physical realm and what we see and experience here. All this chaos and stuff, I do believe there's order in it. Okay. You have to be wise enough to see that. 
some people think I'm insane, but there's, there's divine. I mean, when you understand the bloodstream of the human body, it's completely chaotic. All your blood cells are fighting all these viruses to keep you healthy at all times, every day, every, every breath that you take. Your immune system, your blood is trying to fight virus. It's very – if you can look into the bloodstream, you'd see it looks like a nuclear war going on constantly. Right. And that's and that's what's going on on the planet. She's a living organism. We're a part of that. But again, years, hundreds of years of bad programming, humanity's focused all on the wrong things, you know? Yeah. It's more, more about money and consumerism and, and agriculture and trade and power. And it's just, you know, it's um, we've lost our way, I believe. But I do believe we can find our way back. But I, I don't know, really. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm also, too, navigating in my life and trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong. Is there anything right or wrong? Who knows? I don't know. We know nothing. You know, we yep. don't. We the, don't. Well, the we don't. The more you learn, the less you seem to know. That's uh, absolutely. That's that's one thing that someone said to me a long time ago, and it it's always stuck with me. You know, you you read a book oh, yeah, about a totally. subject, and then you realize there's 50 other books in that subject, and you you're you're still oh, a, a, yeah. a novice. You don't know shit. But before that, you knew even less than well, nothing. That... So you have to know that you know less than nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. The reason why I have about 2,500 books in my library because I'll be reading a book on philosophy and this philosopher is quoting philosophers right. that his father quoted and it's just the lineage of mind and soul is just infinite. Do you have a book you'd yeah, uh, recommend the, for, for people to read? Like if, if I mean you have a huge library but yes. just, even just – one or two books yes. that everyone should read? Yes. 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 It's a book I buy for everyone all the time just to get them started. And it's called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. Okay. The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. I'll repeat that for people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, what, and is that, written... what is that book? Um, is, is that kind of about like willpower and about um, – uh, you know, the ability to kind of make anything happen just by, you know, work. In a, in a nutshell, it's like, it's like basically your subconscious mind is a, is a fancy word for your heart or your intuition or your right. imagination. These are people that have imaginatively and Obviously, there's evidences of law of attractions and stuff like that, which it's like it's they have powerful roadmaps to becoming who you really want to be as a person, r r whether you're a janitor or whether you're a lawyer or whether you're a Buddha. It's about using. It's about programming your own heart and mind. We've all been programmed as children. Dreams crushed. You know, it's people need to, these kinds of authors and writers basically give people the opportunity and, and the scientific 
um, laws on how to manifest the life that you truly, truly desire. Right. How to manifest the lover that you truly desire. How to um, bring things and people and abundance into your life now. It's about all. It's it's it, again, like I mentioned before, how you talk to yourself. That's how you either propel yourself or you're hurting yourself. If you're constantly berating and you're hard on yourself and you're no good, and I never get a girlfriend, I never get a boy. Guys hate me. Girls, but 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 guess what? You know, whether you want it or you don't want it, your word is your wand. Right. And it's so simple that people think it's just a bunch of hogwash, but it truly, truly isn't. I mean, and so like for years and years and years, I've I've spent so much time like, you know, the, he's got a book called The Cosmic Power Within You, The Cosmic Energizer. Within You is the Power. He's written over 277 books. Yeah. He's like a Marcus Aurealis, you know, like a Plato in a sense, but uh, from 1910 or – and just on how to live more buoyant, how to live more healthy, how to become more aware, how to love yourself more, how to heal yourself, how to talk yourself into situations, how to be fearless, how to manifest, manifest divine abundance into your life, divine joy. It's beyond, you know, it teaches you how to really pray. You pray as if it already happened. You don't pray with the with fear and desperation behind your body the way church and state teaches you. Right. That's the wrong way to pray. You you pray like the Indian prays for the rain. He already thanked the gods for the rain. That's why it rained a few hours later. He knew, he believed. And this is a human power, this is a human potential. This is like the psycho-cybernetics of your mind. It's about achieving, you know, what you want, having the power, believing in yourself, where everyone else around you, you know, especially in my life, you know. Absolutely. A lot of people telling me, I can't do this, you can't do that, don't do this, you can't do that, you can't. It's like, I'm doing everything you said I couldn't. Exactly. And I'm planning to do more. Yeah. So like people like him are just very, very, very special human beings. Yeah. They're almost like my modern day Christs without selling the bullshit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well it's, it's really, really, really special um material and I um um I recommend I highly recommend it. Cool. Um I'll check it out as well. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, I got to go anyway. Yeah, you do have some some tour dates coming up. I just want to plug real quick. Uh, you're going back out on the road. Are you excited for that? Should be fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Friday. We start Friday. Yeah, great. So go see Life of Agony, everybody. And check out me and his solo records and everything else. Um, can I play a tune for the people? Absolutely. can be anything you want from uh, your solo work to Life of Agony, whatever you want. Hmm. <laughs> you have all my records. Uh, I can probably, I can probably get them. <laughs> um, you know what? Let's play um, 
since I'm going out with the boys, let's play a Life of Agony song. Let's do um, play I Surrender for us, it's, uh, unless you can, because it's too long. No, I'll but play it. Too- oh, I love it. I love long. Give me long. I'll play it. Okay. I play Surrender. I Surrender off the new album. All right. It's done. Mina, thank you so much. Thank you, darling. All right. Have, have a Bye. great day. Yep. See ya. You too. Bye now. So there it is with Mina. And yes, quite the conversation we had. And yes, once again, that coronavirus talk is pretty hilarious now. Yeah, we were way off. We were very wrong. And I apologize for my words and probably some of my actions back in those days, too. Because, man, like, no one saw this coming. And if you did, you are a smarter person than I. Anyway, thank you so much again for tuning in. We've got a great episode coming at you next week and the week after that and the week after that. So make sure that you are subscribed. Hit that subscribe button. And of course, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. Syndrome at gmail.com. Check out the All Access Club. And I will leave you with a tune. Here is a newer one. From Life of Agony, I Surrender on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week.
There's no faith and there's no truth and there's no faith. 